welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary on this Fights in Football Friday. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. We have a lot of ground to cover, so we are going to get right into it. Previewing the week in the NFL, previewing a sneaky good UFC card, and we're going to get into some pro wrestling talk as uh, we book to WrestleMania. That's what we're doing this week. Well, we're not booking to WrestleMania. I'm not doing step-by-step. Step. We're booking WrestleMania. Y'all can fill in the blanks. Um, but that is what is coming up. Um, if you see the, the Flames hat, if you're watching on YouTube, A, hit like and subscribe. That helps me out a lot. Um, but also, if you're looking for some Flames analysis, I am on Game Over Calgary uh, from last night. We went basically an hour, just me talking about the Zadorov trade from the, the Flames um, to the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, we talk about a wild game where the Flames beat the Dallas Stars. So that is wherever you are consuming this. Uh, YouTube, podcast, where wherever you're, uh, you are taking this in, you can also take that in. So, um, there is that. As always, find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email this one, this show, right here, uh, CouchPotatoDiary at Yahoo.com. You can also find us on Facebook. All right, I'm obviously fired up. Let's get into it. Let's talk some football. All right, it is week of... I have written down 14. That can't be right. I think it's week 13. I think that this is this is not me doing a bit like, oh, well, I can't believe how late... Yeah, no, it's week 13. I screwed that up. That's my... That's my yes, that's my bad. Um, okay. <laughs> Whew, I don't know where this is all coming from. All right, let's get into it, though. Uh, we will start with the Denver Broncos taking on the Houston Texans. So if you're new around here, uh, I run through some stats, do a bit of a breakdown, and then give a pick on each game. Um, I stopped tracking it a bit ago. Um, just, I like, not because I think I was doing terribly, just I forgot. And it's a lot to go back and catch up on. So, but uh, we do a pick per game and then I'll let you know at the end of the show which ones that I'm going to click on for the week. Cool? Cool. All right, so it's Denver Broncos taking on the Houston Texans. Uh, the Texans favored by two and a half points with the total set. Uh, this is one of the few totals that actually looks like an NFL total from yesteryear. Uh, the total is at 47 and a half. The Denver Broncos coming into this one, 17th in EPA per play, which um, you're going to hear me reference a lot. This is a, a stat where if you start a drive at the 25-yard line, you are expected to get, let's say, let's say you're expected to get three points on a drive that starts at the 25-yard line, just for math. If you make a play that gets you to midfield, then all of a sudden a drive that gets you to midfield, you are expected to get four points. So you have added an extra point there. Each play is broken down like that and then averaged out per play, um, and that's where you get EPA per play. So it just kind of judges how well the offense is moving and how well defenses or defenses, sorry, are defending. And so for the, the, the Broncos, they're 17th in EPA per play, 22nd in dropback success rate. Success rate, um, first and 10, a, a successful play, uh, or a play that's deemed successful, I guess, is five yards. Basically, you get half of the yard to gain until third down, and then um, you're supposed to get it, right? And fourth down as well. Uh, th those ones are, are deemed successful. So if you um, if, if you make a pass on first down for six yards, that's a successful pass. If you make a, a pass for two, that's not. If you get sacked, uh, also not. So that's what success rate is. Um, and they're 22nd in the league in that. There's 32 teams. The Broncos' defense is 30th in defensive EPA per play, but from week five on and week four is the game where Miami kicked the shit out of them. 
Um, this defense improves to 11th. So th this defense is actually playing quite a bit better. Um, they're 22nd in DVOA, 18th in weighted DVOA. So even with um, taking mo um, more of the schedule into account, that they are still 22nd in the league in efficiency, 12th in offense. Um, and again, the defensive stats are going to be skewed there at 32nd. Taking on a Houston Texans team that's 9th in EPA per play, 20, or, uh, sorry, 6th in drop pack uh, EPA per play. They're not running the ball really well. They're in the bottom third of the league in rush success rate and, and rush EPA. But obviously the, the star of the show has been C.J. Stroud. The thing that was interesting to me is defensively, this team has struggled. They're 21st in defensive EPA per play, uh, 24th in uh, per dropback defensive EPA per play, and 24, uh, 25th in dropback success rate. I, um, along with you, I am assuming are of the firm belief that Russell Wilson is cooked. But this Texans defense has kind of been getting cooked lately. And so I think that's an interesting matchup. The, those numbers made it for me that I'm, like, I, I am picking Houston in this game, but this was going to be my, one of my absolute locks. Like, fuck off, Denver? Um, I get that, they've, that they're have they on a bit of a heater right now, but they're, uh, again, one of the things I said I wouldn't talk about is, um, well, well, who have they beat? But in this winning streak, like, I just, I'm not buying what they're selling. Um, and I, I've said that in, in this week when I was on, on social media, but, uh, seeing those numbers in the defensive side for the Texans just scared me away from clicking on it. But the, the, the official pick here is Texans minus two and a half. Uh, Chargers taking on the New England Patriots. LA favored by five and a half points with the total at 40 and a half. You know the story for both of these teams. The Chargers have been able to move the ball. They are uh, 10th in EPA per play. They are 8th in drop back. Um, they're not running the ball very well, but they, they haven't had to. Um, although I think that would probably help out a lot of the issues that they're having, actually, if Austin Eckler could get back to what he is supposed to be. Um, defensively, this team has struggled, and that is another knock against a coach who's supposed to be a defensive specialist. Like, I, I just, I don't like calling for people's jobs. Again, I, like, I, I have had people call for mine, and then I've lost it, so I, I don't feel a great amount of sadness in this. It's, like, if people can do that to me, I can do it to them. But, um, he sucks. Like, he's not good. I don't understand what Staley has done to warrant having the, the keys to the, the future of Justin Herbert. So defensively, th this team has greatly struggled. They're 27th in defensive EPA per play. DVOA, they rank 28th inefficiency. So they, th this one's brutal. On the New England side, it's the exact opposite. This offense hasn't been able to do anything. They're 30th in EPA per play, uh, 30th in, in EPA per drop back, that they're just not doing anything with the ball offensively. Honestly, 30th felt high. I was a little surprised at that, but we've had some pretty bad teams this year. But this defense is doing all right. They are... Um, let's see, sixth in uh, defensive success rate. So they are shutting down teams when they need when they need to be shutting them down. Um, and they are still twelfth in defense uh, defensive efficiency. I can't, in all good conscience, for the rest of the year, take the Chargers um, and give up points or take points. Honestly, so we're going under forty and a half for this game. I just. I think New England's defense is going to stymie this Chargers offense one more time, and I think this Chargers um, defense, while bad, isn't bad enough to make New England's offense look good. So we're going under 40 and a half for the pick on this one. Detroit taking on New Orleans. The Lions are favored by four. The total is at 46 and a half. That feels a little bit high. I get Detroit's defense has a lot of holes in it. And we have pointed this out on the, the instant reaction shows last week and whatever. We have pointed out like that this is a Detroit defense and specifically a secondary that can absolutely be taken advantage of. 
On the New Orleans side, though, this offense has been kind of bad for for most of the season. Uh, they're 20th in EPA per play. They're 20th in efficiency. It, it's just not a good offense. So I, I don't think the Saints can take advantage of what the um, what the Lions' secondary issues are. And Detroit's offense has stumbled the last little bit. Like they, they have all of a sudden had real problems with turnovers. And New Orleans' defense is 7th in EPA per play um, and 13th in efficiency. So... I think this is a tricky matchup for the Lions. I am taking Detroit minus four, um, and that is, uh, spoiler alert, something we're going to click on a little bit later on, because I do think they are just a superior football team to New Orleans, but that under is looking pretty tasty at under 46 and a half as well. Uh, Arizona taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. The total for this one is at 41 and a half, with the Steelers favored by five and a half points. Um, this one, the stats, I, I don't think really matter for either team. Most of those stats accumulated by Arizona are without Kyler Murray, and most of Pittsburgh's stats are accumulated with Matt Canada. I do think the Steelers defense, which does uh, rank sixth in EPA per play, ninth in success rate, seventh in efficiency, is going to give Kyler Murray and this Arizona offense quite a bit of problems. And I think Pittsburgh's offense is going to be able to do enough in this game to, to probably cover that five and a half, but not enough to go over 41 and a half. And so the, the under is the play for me in this one. I, I just like Pittsburgh's defense, I think can really bottle up what Arizona is trying to do. And like people got stoked about Pittsburgh's offense last week and they scored 16. So yeah. I don't, I don't, I just don't think that there's going to be a lot of scoring in this one, but I've been wrong before. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons taking on the New York Jets. The Falcons are favored by a point and a half. This, seeing the stats here, I feel like if you just, like, just my little, little blurb at the top, color-coded, I don't know if you can tell, um, there you go, finally getting away from the glare, Atlanta against the Jets, just that little bit there, would be enough to get Arthur Smith fired. And again, we're calling for people's jobs. Feels hecky. But you have Drake London, Kyle Pitts, B. John Robinson, Tyler Algier, Cordell Patterson to a lesser extent, John U. Smith, right? Yeah, John U. Smith. Like, you have a plethora of weapons. This is where Atlanta ranks. 25th in EPA per play, 23rd in success rate, 23rd in dropback EPA per play, uh, 25th in rush success rate, um, and 23rd in offensive efficiency. The fact that this team is one spot higher in total DVOA, so total team efficiency, over the New York Jets with the dog shit they've trotted out at quarterback all season, immediately to jail. Immediately, like, fire everybody. Immediately, everyone goes straight to jail. How can you have the weapons this offense has and be so stuck in the mud that you are 23rd in offensive efficiency this season. Have you seen some of the offenses that have been trotted out there this season? There are some truly, truly dreadful teams that are out there. And some of them are ahead of Atlanta right now in the offense. That is unspeakably terrible. I, I cannot wrap my head around what's gone on with the Atlanta Falcons and how bad the play calling has been, how bad Desmond Ritter has been. Um, they brought Heineke in for a little bit and then he got knocked out and now Ritter's back in again. I just, I can't. I, I am, I was stunned seeing how bad, because it's been a couple of weeks since I've done the stat thing. I've just 
stunned at how bad this Atlanta offense is. They're going going up against the Jets team that's fourth in defensive efficiency, um, fourth in success rate. Like all all of their defensive statistics are in the top ten. The total for this one is thirty three and a half, and the under is very tempting. I am going to take Atlanta minus one and a half. They they are they are far superior to what the Jets are going to be trotting out there this week. So fucking play like it. Sheesh. Indianapolis taking on the Tennessee Titans. The Colts are favored by a point and a half in this one uh, with the total at 42 and a half. Um, this one is another one that I, I'm quite surprised by the line here a little bit. And I, I don't think I'm going to go too far into the, the stats on this one because, again, a lot of those are with different quarterbacks. Um, sorry, I, uh, I'm giving this away, but I, I forgot to mark this down as one I'm clicking on. Because I, I just, you, you watch this Tennessee Titans team. Yes, they look fine against Carolina last week, but that is a not insignificant Tampa Bay team who they beat last week. And like, they just keep winning these games. And I don't know how this, I don't know. I, I truly don't know how this one's under the key number of three. Um, the, the offensive line for the Titans stinks and I, I think is going to have some real problems here. Again, like the Colts pass rush is nothing special. This isn't like Dwight Freeney's not walking through that door, but this is still a a, a fine Colts team. Like defensively, they're 11th in efficiency in, in DVOA. So yeah, I don't, the only thing I can see is that the Colts are 23rd in defensive uh, defensive rush EPA per play and 31st in defensive rush success rate. The Titans want to run the football with Derrick Henry. Um, that that is that that's what they want to do. But Derrick Henry isn't Derrick Henry anymore, right? This offense isn't what it used to be. I just don't see how the Titans hang in this one with the Colts. So I, I am taking Indianapolis minus one and a half. Uh, the total in this one, by the way, just for your knowledge, um, is 42 and a half. The Miami Dolphins taking on the Washington Commanders. Dolphins favored by eight and a half. The total is at 49 and a half. This one's going to be quick. Miami is so much better than Washington is. Um, I was surprised that this was a single digit one, quite frankly. I think that this Miami offense, um, with the, like, just absolute superstars they have, you saw what Dallas did to this offense, or to this defense. Miami's offense, I think, is better. Um, Washington may be able to hang a little bit more, um, against the Miami defense, but I think Miami's defense is starting to come into their own a little bit, uh, under Vic Fangio. Like we, we said this coming into the season that this is one of the best defensive quarterback, uh, defensive coordinators in the league, but you're going to have to learn his system and we will see if that system is there to be learned. Um, but I, yeah, like the, the third ranked offense in DVOA against the 31st defense. Again, this feels way too tight for me. So I'm going Miami minus eight and a half. It's a big number, but I think they blow them out. This is another one, Carolina against Tampa Bay. If you are a uh, listener all season to this show, you know that this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, for whatever reason, holds a, a close uh, a soft spot in my heart. They are a game out of a division lead that we picked them for at the beginning of the year. Yes, they're four and seven, but they're still one game out. And Carolina sucks, man. Like Carolina is 31st in DVOA. Tampa Bay is 21st, uh, 14th in EPA per play. I, I don't think Carolina stops them much in this game. Baker Mayfield is going to be back under center this week for, for Tampa Bay. So this one, quite frankly, it's a little bit insulting to our Tampa Bay Bucks, which yes, as a Raider fan hurts to say, but uh, insulting, I say to Tampa Bay, uh, I'm going Bucks minus five. 
in this one. Cleveland taking on the LA Rams. Uh, Rams are favored by three and a half in this game with the total at 40 and a half. Cleveland's offensive numbers uh, a little all over the place. 27th in EPA per play, 29th in success rate, while the Rams are 12th in EPA per play, uh, 23rd in dropback success rate. So it, the passing has been a bit of an issue at times, but they've been able to run the ball. They are eighth in run EPA per play and third in run success rate. Kyron Williams is back, but you're going up against one of the best defenses in the league. On the Rams side, uh, the defense has been a bit of a, a slog at times. They are 19th in defensive EPA per play and 21st in uh, defensive efficiency. This is not a matchup that is going to be pretty. Um, it's one where if Cleveland had any kind of quarterback at all, I would feel very comfortable with it. And quite frankly, um, I still like, it's, it's not enough to click on, but I am going Cleveland plus three and a half in this game. Um, you could sprinkle money line on it if you want. And, uh, but for sure, for sure, we're going under 40 and a half on this game. Um, it's going to be gross. It's going to be ugly. And, uh, yeah, not, not great. Not a great football game. Um, it will make up for it now. San Francisco taking on Philadelphia. The top two teams in my power rankings. 49ers favored by two and a half with the total at 47 and a half. I said last week, no one is playing better football right now than the San Francisco 49ers and the numbers back it up. They are first in EPA per play, success rate, drop back EPA, uh, drop back success rate, seventh and fifth in EPA uh, per run and success rate per run. Defense is in the top 10 and everything, except for against the run, which could be an interesting thing here against Philadelphia. The Eagles are going through a murderer's row and beating all of them. They are 10-1 and on the year, and they too have a top 10 offense in basically every statistical category you could find. Defensively, um, 22nd in defensive EPA per play, and they are 17th in uh, defensive DVOA. I just think San Francisco is a touch better everywhere right now. At least they're playing it right? Like the offensive side, this offense is clicking, I'd say much more effectively than what Philadelphia has been doing the last little bit. Defensively, since going out and getting Chase Young a couple of weeks ago, this defense is really causing some problems. And I think the defense is playing better than Philadelphia's defense is playing right now. And so I, I just think they're a touch better all across the board. So give me San Francisco minus two and a half in what could be the game of the year. I cannot wait for this one Sunday afternoon. Sunday evening, uh, we'll be waiting all day for Kansas City against Green Bay. Chiefs favored by six and a half points. The total's at 42 and a half. Um, Kansas City's offense really got back on track against the Raiders last week. Going up against a Green Bay defense that looked pretty good in their matchup with, um, with Detroit. But again, Jared Goff was not sharp in that game. I do think this offense takes a bit of a step back from what we saw a week ago against Detroit. I, I just... Um, that Lions secondary isn't good. And Kansas City's defense is good. They're, they're uh, eighth best in defensive efficiency and uh, fifth in EPA, defensive EPA per play and second in success rate. So they have been shutting teams down. I think this is another tough one for Jordan Love. Give me the Chiefs. Minus six and a half. Um, and then on Monday night, it is the Cincinnati Bengals against Jacksonville. Uh, the Bengals don't have Joe Burrow. The J Jaguars are pretty well healthy. Uh, give me the Jags. Minus eight and a half. I don't know if there's a whole lot to, to break down in this one. It's just, this would have been such an intriguing matchup if Burrow was there. But that offense looked terrible last week without him. So, it sucks. But uh, give me Jacksonville in that spot. So, there is your uh, NFL preview here for the week.
Quickly in the Canadian Football League, uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders hire Corey Mace, and I think this is a home run. Um, and now, like, I've interviewed him a couple of times. He follows me on Twitter. I, I think he's an amazing dude. Um, he is absolutely someone who will embrace the community aspect of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and everything that, that has made this team what it is supposed to be. I, I think he having gone in there and faced them um, as a player and um, going in there as a, a coach from um, with the, uh, I think, defensive line coach for the, the Calgary Stampeders, um, I think he understands the, the Saskatchewan market and understands the fan base there. And he, th this sounds a little bit corny, but I, I think he will be a culture setter out in Saskatchewan. I, I think that he is... Everything that this team needs. X's and O's, I have no idea. Because um, he just he hasn't been a, a head coach yet. Um, a defensive-minded coach, which doesn't seem to be what the direction that teams are going with um, at the moment in professional football. But I, I think in terms of setting that culture, setting that winning attitude that has been missing in Saskatchewan for a while now, um, I think this is an absolute home run pick. I, I think that the, the, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders... Um, hit a home run and it could be a grand slam with, with this. There, there is a lot of work left to be done in Saskatchewan for sure. And you guys know how frustrated I was at the end of the season. I'm sure people um, in the Ryder front office were frustrated as well. But it, if they keep making moves like this, it's going to be a, a quick turnaround in Saskatchewan because this is... This is the guy I think that that Saskatchewan needed. Buck Pierce would have added a lot of, um, brought a dynamic offense with him to, to Saskatchewan. But I think Corey Mace really sets a tone that this rider team needs going into 2024. So that is just a quick CFL note there. Let's get into some wrestling talk. All right, um, Survivor Series is done, which means we're on the road to the Royal Rumble, which means we're on the road to WrestleMania. Um, and so I thought today, a couple months out, a few months out now, let's take a look and see what I think WrestleMania could be. And so I went two nights, um, eight matches each night, so 16 matches total, and just went with kind of, I, I didn't like, that. this isn't, oh, The Rock and Stone Cold come back and they team up to face Andre the Giant and The Undertaker. Um, I have two legends coming back and they're legends who have wrestled this year. So I don't think I was cheating too much on that. Like I, you could have, and I, I'm not going, yeah, and Sasha Banks comes back. You know, like I'm not doing that necessarily. Um... Yeah, you'll, you'll find out. So, our first one, night one, we are going, um, oh, there was changes I want to make. Oh, I made the changes already. Perfect. Good. Awesome. I'm on it. Uh, match number one is Finn Balor against Shinsuke Nakamura. This one, in my mind, Finn Balor has been turned on by the Judgment Day, um, and we are now starting a babyface run for Finn Balor, and to get him going in the babyface direction... Um, get him back to his roots, taking on a, a Shinsuke Nakamura who has been excellent as a heel so far and really looking forward to what he could be doing with Cody Rhodes here um, in the, the, the near future. So that that should be fun and just a, a great match. Um, kind of get back to, you know, Prince Devitt and all of that. And um, I, I think this would be a good one to, to kind of jumpstart a Finn Balor babyface run. Uh, Kevin Owens against Killer Cross would just be the, or Karrion Cross. Um, well, that's a callback. Um, I, I think that would be just like a absolute brawl type of a, a match. I, I think you'd get some pretty good promos. Um, I think Cross is someone who has kind of been, while involved in storylines, has kind of felt a little bit 
secondary. I think Kevin Owens can drag out uh, a real high-level feud out of him. And so you can see early on here with my WrestleMania, we have a couple of matches that are going to appeal to people. Uh, A couple of matches that I I think will feel WrestleMania-like. And a couple of programs that are going to elevate people involved in them while also, um, I think, like feeling of the stature of a, a WrestleMania. So that that's it. Um, the Rey Mysterio versus LWO feud will continue to WrestleMania. I have Rey Mysterio, uh, Dragon Lee, and Carlito taking on uh, Santos Escobar and the rest of the LWO. The women's tag team titles on the line. I have Charlotte and Becky finally teaming up as they go up against Asuka and Kyrie Sane for the women's tag team titles. Um, don't ask who holds them at that point, but that that is... Uh, I guess you could say Asuka and, and Kyrie will hold them. That's that's what I'm going to say. Um, th- this is a big damage control weekend, as as you'll find out later. But that is that that's where I would go with with the the, the women's titles again. Charlotte and Becky, the embrace at War Games. Um, that felt like a, a legitimate thing and something you can build with. Now you keep a couple of them out of the picture for the the title where they have kind of just lived for a while. And these women's tag belts, I think need a a nice kick in the arse. So that is where I would go with that. Uh, The undisputed tag team titles on the line in a four-way match. Uh, The Creed brothers who we saw on Monday against the New Day, against Imperium, against Drew and Sheamus in the um, tag team turmoil. That is one of those let's get everyone on the card type of matches, but I think would be an absolute baller match. Uh, The Creed's are great, man. Like the Creed's are legit. Um, this one, pretty obvious. It's Jimmy against Jay. That that has to be it. If you want Rikishi to be a special guest referee, fine. I think that might take away from it a little bit. He has to have some involvement in this, but um, it's Jimmy versus Jay. That has to be a match at WrestleMania. And I'm putting it on night one because night two has Roman. Um, and I, I think this one has enough star power because you'll see at the end, I'm taking a bit of a gamble with my uh, World Heavyweight title match. Uh, second from the top, I have Gunther taking on Sami Zayn for the Intercontinental title. If we're looking for people for Gunther to drop the title to. Um, I think Sami Zayn, who it's been a bit of a quiet year since um, his run with the Bloodline and he became a bit of a superstar. I think you can kind of, again, jumpstart that, give Sami another WrestleMania moment, and um, I I would have him beat Gunther for the title here. And now Gunther can spin off into a world title feud going into next year, and he can be kind of the, the project leading up to WrestleMania 41. And Sami Zayn feels like a star again. The Intercontinental title does not drop in any value at all, but you do kind of ele- elevate Sami Zayn in that. And then my, my main event for night one, admittedly not the most star power for, for, for everybody. I have world heavyweight champion Damian Priest defending against LA Knight. Yeah. Um, I just like LA Knight is on such a roll right now. And I like Damian, Pier- um, Damian, <laughs> Damian Pierce, Damian Priest, as world champion, I, I think he cashes in Money in the Bank here pretty soon. Um, we'll get to, to how I think that happens in a little bit here, but I, I think that you can get to a uh, get to a point where like Damian uh, Priest, um, boy, having a running back with a name that's close to that is really making me stumble. Having Priest be your world heavyweight champion, um, maybe you would want a bigger name there, but I, I think LA Knight. Is, like it is just a meteoric rise, and this would feel like a a world title main event at WrestleMania. It, it's not guys who are um, who have spent a lot of time in the main event scene, but I think you can do that with a, a two night WrestleMania and make these guys feel like the 
Um, Bruce Pritchard says on his podcast, the best way to make people feel like main eventers is to put them in the main event. So that's what I'm doing with Damian Priest and LA Knight for my night one. Uh, my night two of WrestleMania. This is a, I need to get John Cena on the card match. And I, I also want, the, you, you'll see what I'm getting at. I have the Miz and John Cena teaming, uh, teaming up to face the Street Profits. I think there is a way you can go now with a Miz babyface run coming off of um, a match against um, Gunther. And I think a good way to, to really continue that is pairing him with a longtime nemesis, John Cena. And the, the Street Profits, this would be an amazing elevation for them, uh, a team that, that really does deserve it. Um, I couldn't get Bobby Lashley on this um, in, in a way that I wanted to, but I... Uh, maybe you could like include a third in this bout, um, and and put um, put Lashley with the profits in that way. But that that is what I'm going with right now is Miz continuing his babyface run, going with John Cena against the Street Profits. Up next, I have Trish Stratus taking on Shayna Baszler. Um, we we've seen Shayna. Sorry, I got a cat hair in my eye. For those watching on the video, um, we've seen Shayna Baszler kind of befriend Zoe Stark here over the next little bit. So Trish Stratus comes back does a lot of trash talking uh, against Zoe Stark. You could even do Zoe against Trish here, but I think you could do that like at the Rumble or something like that, and it turns into Shayna Baszler, who I think should be getting more television time, um, taking on Trish Stratus for um, just a, a nice big spotlight spot. Up next for the Women's World Heavyweight Championship, uh, or the Women's World title, sorry, I have Io Sky against Bailey. The fracturing of damage control uh, comes to a head with Io taking on Bailey. For the women's world title. Um, it, it's been teased for a while. And I think now. Um, like you could have. Io, Kyrie, and Asuka. Be your own. Along with Dakota Kai. Be your own faction there. Uh, totally fine. I don't think you need Bailey in there anymore. Um, if, if Sasha Banks does come back. Uh, around Royal Rumble time. Then maybe it's something with Bailey uh, against EO and and the the um, Oscar and Kyrie, the the ones who I had in the the tag team title match before. But uh, for for what we have right now, I think this would be a good way to again break Bailey off from from damage control, but give EO Sky a really big match at WrestleMania. Uh, the United States title will be defended in a multi-person. Let's get everyone on the show ladder match. Uh, Logan Paul defending against Ricochet, Tommaso Ciampa, Chad Gable, AJ Styles and Grayson Waller. Um, I, I like. I, I don't love AJ being in that spot, and uh, he could flip into the, the next match, I think, pretty easily. Um, but it, it's just that's that's how it is going right now for, for AJ. I hope there is more focus on him than, than what I am providing at this moment, because, again, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world and I think should be recognized as such. But I, I think this would be one hell of a match anyway. Up next, Dominic Mysterio, I think because of how hated he is, deserves to be in his own spot at WrestleMania. And I think he, it's wild, but I think his heel persona is at a point in this company where you can put other people with him and that will elevate them. And one of the guys who I think should be elevated is Bronson Reed. So I am going Bronson Reed against Dominic Mysterio in a special singles match at WrestleMania. Um... It's wild that Dom's at this point, but man, people love to hate that dude, and I think that would help out a Bronson Reed at WrestleMania. Um, I have Rhea Ripley against Zia uh, Lee, sorry, for the Women's World Title or whatever hers is called. Um, yeah, whichever one it is. But I 
like I, I, I kept looking for a challenger for Rhea and there keeps not being one. I had Nia Jackson here. I didn't love that. I think you could like it, it, say Lee wins the rumble. Um, you know, like she has a character that people would buy into, um, that they made her seem like a serious threat on, on, uh, on SmackDown. I think that would be an out of nowhere. Oh my God. What has this person done? Um, Royal Rumble moment for the, the women's side and then building her up for a couple of weeks. You can make this feel like an absolute like match of the Titans it, with, with Zia Lee pretty easily. She has a look. She has uh, a skill set. She has a character that you can make into just an absolute fucking badass real quick. And I think that would really liven things up for uh, a challenge for Rhea Ripley. Uh, in the co-main event, it's CM Punk against Seth Rollins. Um, I, I think you can have... CM Punk, like, he's cutting promos and all, all of these things. And then he and Seth have a bit of an interaction. Um, th there's the GDS, uh, GTS. Oh, hey, look at that. Here comes Priest. And now he's the new World Heavyweight Champion. And now Rollins and Punk hate each other. And it is an absolute blood feud for, for these two. And th this could be like a Hell in a Cell or something wild at WrestleMania. And then in the main event, the story finally concludes with Cody Rhodes winning the undisputed Universal WWE Championship that is disputed because there's a second world title, but that's regardless. Um, Cody Rhodes does eventually finish the story, beating Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I think this is a baller WrestleMania, um, if I do say so myself. I didn't love it going in, but then like the more I was like, okay, if I move this around here, I think that you come out of this WrestleMania with like a lot of people who are elevated. I think you come out of this with a real direction for a number of characters, and I feel like you set yourself up really, really well for like, A, like some big draws and a big night and a WrestleMania people are going to be talking about, while also you come out of it with a lot of characters feeling much bigger than they were going into it. So, um, yeah, WWE, Triple H, call me up. I'm I'm here to help. That th Those are my picks for WrestleMania Night 1 and Night 2. I don't often do this for a UFC fight night, but this is a good one this week. Let's do a fight preview. I don't... I, I, I want... I, I will say, going into 2024... I need to do more fight stuff on here. Uh, just getting ready for this card today. I was absolutely loving it. Um, and like you guys know, I've been frustrated with the, with some stuff with the, the Ultimate Fighting Championship. The Apex shows are soulless and need to go. Um, and it's just been like the injuries and stuff like that. But I, I do think like we are in a pretty good time for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. And this card is a doozy coming up this weekend. So uh, just a couple of fights that I, I wanted to, to, to look at here. The main event is Benil Dariush against uh, Armin Sarukian. A couple of fighters in the top 10. Um, if you followed my career, not only here, but on the radio talking about this stuff before, you guys know Benil Dariush is one of my dudes. And he's been that way for like a decade, man. Um, it was heartbreaking to see him lose to, to Charles Oliveira in a, a title eliminator. He was so close, but I, I think he is so well-rounded and so talented, but he is going up against an absolute hammer in Sarukian. I, like, this is a fight that the odds right now, uh, Dariush is, like, in the plus 200s for, for, for an underdog, and that's just not right. Um, that this fight should be closer than that, but you don't get points for, oh, well, it, it it was close before he got knocked out. Um, the, the I just don't know where he has an edge in this fight. Because on the feet, 
Um, he is a, a relatively skilled stand-up fighter, but we have seen, or we saw in his last bout against Charles Oliveira, when he's going up against someone who is a bit quicker than him, it becomes a bit of an issue. And Sarukian is. Um, now, he the, the the problem with Sarukian is, like, he is quick, he's, he's got good hand speed, but he hangs around a little bit too long. He got caught in the second round of his last bout. Um, I'm blanking on the name now all of a sudden, but in his last fight, he, he, there was a couple of times he got rocked at the end of the second round. Um, I still gave him the round because of how dominant he was going into it, but I, I, like he just, instead of like one, two, and then get away, it's one, two, and I'm just going to sit here for a sec. I'm just going to hang out. We're just going to chill. And then it was ba-bam. And all of a sudden he's on, uh, he's, he's absolutely wobbly. So uh, that's a problem. And I, I think Dariush would be good enough in the stand-up game to take advantage of that. But I, I just feel like Sarukian on the feet, he hits hard. And he, he, I think he'd be able to get off first, kind of beat Dariush to the punch, uh, no pun intended. Um, and, and so I think on the feet, it'd be a bit of an issue for Dariush. I do think if Dariush got top control, he would have quite a bit of success. He he had quite a bit against uh, Charles Oliveira. And um, I don't think Sarukian is as skilled off of his back as Oliveira is. The issue is, I think Sarukian is physically stronger than Benil Dariush is at this stage in Dariush's career. And he is technically a very sound wrestler and grappler. And so I don't know how Dariush gets a, a takedown here. And, the, <coughs> excuse me, this isn't a fighter you want to pull guard against because, um, again, powerful ground and pound and a really skilled grappler. Like, he has an excellent top control that we saw in that last bout as well. Like, he just, a, a lot of the little parts of grappling he gets. Um, Darius does as well. Like, th this would be a really fun just grappling contest. But if you're Darius, you don't want to just pull guard because then I think Sarukian just absolutely, like, elbows your face through the floor. Um, and that becomes an issue. The only way you can, I think, get the advantage there for Dariush is in some type of a, a scramble situation. You get up on, on top, and then you just, like, quick bing, bang, boom, you got an arm, and it's over. That's where I think Dariush would have the advantage. But I just, as much as I like a man, it's tough. I just think Sarukian has the advantage everywhere. Now, like I said, the, the odds are a little bit wide. So I am, we're going to talk about this in today's ticket at the end. I am going to do a bit of a sprinkle on Dariush as an underdog in this fight, because again, he is one of the most technically sound, well-rounded fighters in the world. Um, but I just know that that's a bit of a sprinkle as just a, a feeler. The official pick is um, is Sarukian, as I sit firmly on the fence on this one. Colin event is a good one as well. Jalen Turner going up against Bobby Green. Um, Turner has a bit of a prospect cachet to him, but he's lost back-to-back -back bouts. Now, he's lost back-to-back -back bouts by split decision. So, it's not like he has been absolutely blown out. And Bobby Green is in this wild last stage of his career. He just won a couple of fights ago in 30 seconds. Um, a couple of fights or last fight? I can't remember. Either way, um, he has been absolutely blowing through some guys. I don't think the moment will be too big for um, for Turner in the way that it was for Dawson. Yeah, it was his last fight because it was like a month ago. Um, I guess it'll be two months ago by the time, or just about two months ago by the time they fight. But um, Dawson, it felt like he he was ready to get into a brawl and just he was just like, I'm just going to go down and throw. And he started reaching a little bit 
and Bobby Green just like drilled him. Um, switches stances, goes to the straight left, and one punch, and it was bye-bye, and it was 30 seconds, and it was over. I don't see Turner getting caught with something like that, but Bobby Green makes you stay perfect for thir- or for, for three solid rounds. And so I'm th- this is another upset pick that you could absolutely go with. I'm going to go Bobby Green in an upset, picking up a win here um, over Jalen Turner. You have uh, Rob Font taking on Davison Figueredo. Again, this is a great, great fight card. Um, it, it is a return to Bantamweight for, for Figueredo, and it's really tough. Rob Font is one of the best fighters in the world coming off of a tough five-round loss against Corey Sanhagen in his last bout. But Font is like right there for a Bantamweight title fight. And I'm just a little bit worried with Figueredo because that that didn't look great against Moreno. And all credit to, to Brandon Moreno um, to, for coming out with the win in their quadruply or whatever you would call it. Um, but like, I, I thought the first fight, it was be, anytime Figueredo lost, it's because of what he didn't do. But that last bout, it's because of what Moreno did to him. And then you saw what Moreno looked like in his last one, a crazy fight. But um, I just don't know if Figueredo has it anymore. And Rob Font, up a weight class, is a real tough guy to figure out if you've got it or not. So I'm picking Rob Font in this bout, but it, it's, I think a lot of questions going to be answered at 135 pounds with those two fighters specifically. Uh, Kelvin Gastelum moves to welterweight for the first time since 2016. He's another one. Like he, he's won a couple of fights here, um, but had a stretch where he had lost like seven of eight or five of six. I think it was um, like, it's, it's been a really rough stretch and I, I just don't think him going down to welterweight is enough to get it back. At his peak, awesome, man. He was great. Loved watching Kelvin Gastelum. I just don't know if he's on this level anymore. So it's it's an interesting card because you have a few of those where it's like, man, like Dariush, Green, Figueredo. Not that Font is a, a young up-and-comer or anything either, but um, Dariush, Green, Fa- um, Figueredo, and Gastelum. Uh, all guys who loved him, loved him in the prime, but it, it just, it might not be there for them anymore on this night. Uh, and a prelim fight that I'm interested in, Drakkar Close, who I have, con- I'm constant, like he's 35 right now. I still view him as a prospect. I'm like, man, this guy could go on a run. And he is on a bit of a run right now. He's won five of his last six. Um, he's going up against Joe Selecki. I, uh, Selecki hasn't really fought anyone um, in the UFC. Like he has a bunch of UFC fights, but he hasn't fought anyone close to level of Drakkar Close. So I, I, I like close in this one, but he is one, I admit, is a bit of a blind spot. Like, I, I, I think I think that he can get to levels that he probably just can't. But I, I still have this vision of him in my head. It's a bit of a blind spot there. So, just a bit of a UFC breakdown as we get ready for... Uh, I'm definitely not doing a breakdown of the, the card next week, um, unless something wild happens. But um, coming up December 16th, it is a UFC pay-per-view, um, and it should be... Should be a good one with Leon Edwards closing out the year against Colby Covington. All right. Um, it's the weekend, so you know it's going to be big. Here is today and this weekend's ticket. All right. Let's get into it. The Friday slate. We got the Philadelphia 76ers. Pl- I don't know why I said it like that. Philadelphia 76ers plus six and a half against the Boston Celtics. Philadelphia comes into this. I think playing some pretty good basketball. Yes, the Celtics are too, but I think Philadelphia has kind of figured some things out. And a lot of the players who they got in the Harden trade are actually 
finding roles and fitting in and contributing to winning. And so I, I think Philly is actually pretty close here against Boston. So I will gladly take six and a half points and see if we can cover something here with uh, with Boston. Uh, going the Knicks plus 120 against the Raptors. Raps coming off of a great outing against the, the Phoenix Suns. Um, it's just consistency. And I think this defensive mindset that the, the Knicks have with coach Tibbs is really going to cause some problems on the offensive side for the Raptors. So, um, I I'm going with the Knicks plus 120. We're going some college football. Um, Oregon is eight and a half point favorites against Washington. Um, Washington's quarterback Penix Jr. has looked a little bit banged up in the last little bit. I think it's 12 touchdowns in his last six games, which like for some quarterbacks is great. Um, in college, that's not ideal. And Oregon right now could be the second best team in the country. So I think Oregon wins this one pretty handily starting off championship week in college football. Um, also one more, sorry, uh, Denver taking on Phoenix. Um, the, the Nuggets are healthy. The, the Suns just lost to the Raptors. Uh, we got Denver minus two and a half. I will absolutely take that one. Going into to Saturday, we got a couple more uh, college football championship ones. Boise State against UNLV. I have, um, get, give me the Broncos minus two and a half. I don't think it's a home field advantage there for UNLV. I think Boise State's fans will be able to travel and I just think they're a better football team, quite frankly. Um, Georgia min minus four and a half against Bama. Bama's playing better as of late and Georgia really hasn't been tested much this season but they are a team now given how dominant the program has been the last couple of years I need to see it before I don't trust it right um I, I need to see them stumble before I'm just like oh yeah no I'm not going to take them um I, I think this spread a few weeks ago would have been like 15 16 um and so I, I think a, a Georgia team that has probably had this one circled for a while gets up for this game and reminds everyone why they are the actual number one team in the land with a, a win, and they can firmly knock Bama out of a playoff spot. If Bama wins this one, then we have playoff chaos and everyone's going to hate it, but I, I think a, a, a Georgia win restores some order here. And by the way, 12-team uh, playoff for next year is stupid. Like, we're, we're, we're having debates now about, like, Michigan and Alabama, and what, what do you do here? Does Washington get in? How, what about, um, who, like, this, that, or the other? And then we, next year it's going to be, yeah, well... Which team's third loss is worse? Well, then then they, they still might get in. Like, we're talking about Tulane and Ole Miss, with all due respect, but, like, fucking come on, man. Um, I don't, I, like, eight. Eight's perfect. Four is pretty bang on, I'll be honest. Four, four kind of rocks. Um, but if you want to do eight with five conference champions and three at large, works. Five conference champions at seven at large? Come on, man. Don't. Don't love it, what they're doing in college football. Uh, and then we will get into the UFC card. We are taking um, Drakkar Close, minus 125 against Joe Selecki. Um, that is going to be one there. Like I said, I just Selecki hasn't fought anyone close to close. Eh? Um, so I, I think Drakkar takes that one. Um, I am going with uh, Bobby Green here against Jalen Turner at plus 165. I just think there's dynamite in those hands, man. And he is on some kind of roll right now. And Turner... Um, has stumbled a little bit, so I, I just, I don't think he's ready for the pressure that Bobby Bra uh, Green can bring. I do think Font gets the win over Figueredo, so I'm taking him minus 130. Um, I am taking Joe Brady against, uh, Kelvin Gastelum, or Sean Brady, sorry, uh, at minus 120 in that bout. And, like I said, I think Sarukian wins this one, but Dariush is one of the more well-rounded fighters in the sport, so we're just gonna do a bit of a sprinkle of an underdog play there on Dariush for Saturday. Uh, and then... For uh, the Sunday NFL ticket, um, Detroit minus four against New Orleans. I've gone through all these, so you know. 
Uh, Detroit minus four against New Orleans. Arizona and Pittsburgh under 41 and a half. Atlanta minus one and a half against the Jets. Miami minus eight and a half against Washington. Tampa Bay minus five against Carolina. San Francisco, excuse me, minus two against Philadelphia. And uh, Indianapolis minus one and a half against the Tennessee Titans. So like I said, it's a big one, but... Hopefully it works. Um, so that's today's ticket. And that is today's show. I had a blast doing this with you guys today. Uh, so let me keep going. Like this video, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the podcast, rate and review. Um, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. You can also find the show up on Facebook. That's going to do it for the week. Um, you can find me tomorrow. I'm going to be on Game Over. Um, it's a head-to-head -head with us and uh, Vancouver. Uh, so we're going to have Samantha Chang on the show there. And then coming up on Sunday, I am going to be back on Flow Hockey, uh, calling the uh, Okotoks Oilers under-18 AAA team. Uh, so going to be there. And then Monday, we're going to recap everything. We're going to fight breakdown. Uh, we're going to have some, some hockey talk. Uh, might make some basketball in. I'd like to do a bit more basketball throughout the year now. Um, and we'll have some NFL to recap. So it's going to be a busy show. It's going to be a busy week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I'll talk to all of you later.